Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or you can download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 41 through 42 called Present Your Case. And so God now is going to go back to this idea of stirring up and controlling history and predicting the future. He says, I have aroused 25, one from the north. This is Cyrus, and he has come. From the rising of the sun, he will call on my name. Many see that fulfilled in the uh, release of the captives. You can note Ezra 1, verses 1 through 4. He will call on my name, or at least he will be used by me. He will come upon rulers as upon mortar. Even as the potter treads the clay, he'll be quick to destroy. Who has declared this from the beginning that we might know? Or the former time, so he goes back to the question, you know, can you predict the future? That we may say he is right. Surely there was no one who declared, no one answered. Surely there was no one who proclaimed. Surely there was no one who heard your words. Formerly 27, I said to Zion, behold, here they are, and to Jerusalem, I will give a messenger of good news. But when I look, there is no one, and there is no counselor among them who, if I ask, can give an answer. Behold, all of them are false. Their works are worthless. Their molten images, and he finishes now the argument, are wind, and they are emptiness, The New King James translates emptiness as confusion. There's the conclusion from God. I gave you a chance. You didn't say anything. This has been your history. It's no surprise. You are worthless. You are nothing. Why would anybody even bother with molten images that only produce wind? Think of Solomon. He says, chasing the wind, you know, never quite got their emptiness and confusion. The word shalom, which is peace, and translated in English, means wholeness, well-being. When you have shalom, you have literally, in the ancient Hebrew picture language, allowed the one who destroys the author of chaos to come into your life. And the answer to idolatry is Jesus Christ. All of us, let's face it, on one level or another, however we defined what we did or what we pursued, it was really idolatry. Whether we put the word on it or not makes little difference. But we discovered that. Look at verse 29. We discovered things were worthless. They were emptiness. They were wind. They were confusion. But then shalom came into our life. It dealt with the root issue. That's the idea of the word shalom, peace, and God destroyed the author of chaos. When the idols come into our life, that's all they produce. So we move now into a contrast in 42 verse 1. Behold, now God introduces a new player on the scene. This is the first of four servant songs in Isaiah. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, and whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations or to the Gentiles. Now a new player comes on the scene and he is the servant of Yahweh. And this is an Old Testament prophecy of Messiah. 
He is the direct contrast. He is the answer to the emptiness of idolatry. He comes on the scene not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And God says, I will uphold him. He is my chosen. Think of the Messiah. My soul delights him. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is the one that I love. As a matter of fact, on the Mount of Transfiguration in Luke 9, uh, verse 35, God says from the thundering cloud of glory, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. At his baptism, God says, this is my beloved son, think of it, in whom my soul delights. This is the one. He is the answer. He will be the hope of the Gentiles. He has become my hope. And he is introduced as the one that we must now look to with the word behold. God has put his spirit upon him. Think of his baptism when the spirit descended upon him and God affirms him as Messiah, the one that brings life. He, speaking of the servant, verse 2, will not cry out, means a cry of distress here, and even points to his rejection in Isaiah 53, or raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law. All of a sudden, this new servant appears, and Matthew quotes this. Go to Matthew 12, the first book of your New Testament. Matthew quotes this in an interesting context. It's about, it follows a highlight of Jesus' healing ministry. Matthew 12 Jesus has just healed the man with a withered hand in context. The Pharisees want to destroy him, verse 14. 15 of Matthew 12 says, Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. Many followed him and he healed them all. And he warned them not to make him known. He didn't want to broadcast it in the street, 17. In order that what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold my servant whom I have chosen. My beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he shall proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. He won't try to ramp up a political uh, group. A battered reed he will not break off. A smoldering wick he will not put out until he leads justice to victory. And in his name, would you notice the Gentiles will hope. Go back to Isaiah. This was the ministry of the servant of Yahweh. He came. If you were a battered reed, he didn't kick you in the dirt when you were down and say, you know, you you heathen idolater, how could you do that? No, he brought the unexpected people right into his fold. And if you were a battered reed, he didn't beat you up more. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. If you were a wick that was about to burn out, he didn't go and blow you out and say, (laughs) no. He tried to revitalize your life. He brought healing to people, healing of body and soul. He tried to reignite the flame. He is the light of the world. And he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but he will have, she will have the light of life. 
He came into the world, and in him was life, and that life is the light of men. And then in John 3, he says, but men love darkness rather than light. God is light. And when Jesus came into the world, he came to a a world that was swimming in idolatry, and he came in and he said, this is, I am the one, the living God, the chosen one. I came to my world. I'm not some dead idol. I'm not some empty thing that you worship. I have come to give you life and that more abundantly. The thief, what does he come to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. I've come to bring you justice, a just life. I was reading one commentary, and this particular writer said, the word justice, if you go back to Isaiah, which is found three times in verses one through four, is a word that was used for the um, blueprint of the tabernacle. And he said one legitimate way to uh, define justice is God's blueprint. It is following that which is valuable, that which is from heaven and given to earth. And that's Jesus. He's the blueprint for life. He's God's final message to the world. And he says, follow me and you'll have life. Follow me and you won't remain in darkness. Follow me and I'll move the idols out of your life and they'll be crushed and they'll die and they'll no longer have power over you. Will you follow me? And some people did, and some people walked away sorrowful and went back to their riches, for they had many possessions. And he says, choose. And there are many people who are waiting expectantly, verse 4, for his law, Simeon and Anna, and when he came, man, they celebrated. There was high messianic expectation. And thus says God the Lord, verse 5, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and its offspring, who gives breath to the people on it, spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. Now here I think we have the father, father talking to the son. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand. There's application to us as well. And watch over you. I will appoint you as a covenant, think of the new covenant, to the people and as a light to the nations. And here's what Jesus did to open, verse 7, blind eyes. To bring out prisoners from the dungeon. What dungeon has he released you from? And those who dwell in darkness from the prison, he's released us from our sins, Revelation 1.5, in his own blood. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. But if you follow me, behold, here's what he said, the former things have come to pass. Think of Cyrus and other prophecies in the Bible. Now, says God, I declare new things. Think of the Messiah seven years away from this writing. Before uh, they spring forth, I proclaim them to you. And you study your Bible. One, one night, my wife and I were in bed. It's okay, we're married. And there we were. And we were reading Psalm 22. And it was some of the first discovery we had made of uh, messianic prophecy about Jesus. And I was saying, man, it says that they would they would pierce his hands and his feet and think of the cross and we were going back and forth. She was reading the New Testament verse. I was reading the Old Testament one and we were blown away. We are saying, how can a psalm written a thousand years before Jesus was ever born give this kind of detail unless God wrote this book? And that's what God is saying. I'm declaring new things and the new things I think have to do with the new covenant and the Messiah. God is on the move. And he's made you a new creation. And when I see all this, I'll tell you what, it makes me want to sing. And that's what the next verse says. Sing to the Lord a new song. 
Sing his praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you islands and those who dwell in, on them. I tell you, I grew up Catholic and when I went into a Christian church and all the singing went on, I thought you people were all bananas. I said, there's nowhere that we do this. Maybe some of you have an old college song that you sing. But really for me and my buddies, we never came together and said, hey, you want to sing a tune before we play basketball or anything like that? We never did that kind of thing. Then you come into the Christian church and that's all they do. And then people not only sing, but their hands start to raise, you know? And they go up higher and higher, and then some people are waving, and you're like, what's going on here? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini-sodes A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. We have just celebrated Easter, so the first series is on the resurrection. So if something is that, that's written down reflects poorly on what is being described or what is being reported on, if that reflects poorly... That lends to its credibility. Yes. Because normally we say, well, the writers are biased. Regardless, we're not just talking about the New Testament. Any writer's biased, they want to get their point of view across. But what shows their objectivity or attempt to be objective is when they include information or facts that reflect poorly on themselves or the narrative they're trying to push. Yes. And, and so let's take a step further towards that. So when the women go to the apostles who are supposed to be the brave followers of Christ, right. they say... The, the women have lost their minds, to paraphrase. They do. They're just crazy tales. They, they don't believe it, which is another embarrassment yeah. because, of course, the, the documents go on to say that Christ is risen and it becomes crystal clear. But the, the way that it, this is written down, and we believe it corresponds exactly to what happened, is that they don't believe they have no faith. To listen to the Walk in Truth minisodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. And we were reading Psalm 22, and it was some of the first discovery we had made of a messianic prophecy about Jesus. And I was saying, man, it says that they would, they would pierce his hands and his feet and think of the cross. And we were going back and forth. She was reading the New Testament verse. I was reading the Old Testament one, and we were blown away. I was saying, how can a psalm written a thousand years before Jesus was ever born give this kind of detail unless God wrote this book? And that's what God is saying. I'm declaring new things, and the new things, I think, have to do with the new covenant and the Messiah. God is on the move, and he's made you a new creation. And when I see all this, I'll tell you what, it makes me want to sing, and that's what the next verse says. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you islands and those who dwell in, on them. I tell you, I grew up Catholic and when I went into a Christian church and all this singing went on, I thought you people were all bananas. 
I said, there's nowhere that we do this. Maybe some of you have an old college song that you sing. But really, for me and my buddies, we never came together and said, hey, you want to sing a tune before we play basketball or anything like that? We never did that kind of thing. Then you come into the Christian church, and that's all they do. And then people not only sing, but their hands start to raise, you know? And they go up higher and higher, and then some people are waving, and you're like, what's going on here? Until you realize that the Lord puts a song in your heart. And as a young Christian, I started writing poems. I never even read books in high school, let alone wrote poems. My sister read a poem at my wedding that I had written. And God was putting a new song in my heart. His praise was flowing from my life because I discovered something. Man, I have met the living God. And he saved me from my idolatry, my chaos, my destruction. Let the wilderness and the cities, you just see these as psalms of praise, lift up 11 their voices. The settlements where Kedar inhabits, let the inhabitants of Selah sing aloud. Notice how many times it says, pray, sing, lift your voice. Let them shout for joy from the tops of the mountains. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the coastlands. Write down Psalm 40, Psalm 96, Psalm 98. You're going to see it all there. The Lord will go forth like a warrior. He will arouse his zeal like a man of war. This is Exodus imagery. He will utter a shout. Yes, he will raise a war cry. He will prevail against his enemies. God said, think of the Babylonian captivity. I've kept silent for a long time, 14. I've kept still and restrained myself. Now, like a woman in labor, I will groan. I will both gasp and pant. I don't know if you've ever seen that verse before, but it's kind of cool. Because when God's waiting to do something, we might think, well, what does God do up in heaven while he's waiting to execute his plan? Do they have backgammon? You know, (laughs) does he play the angels? What's going on? No, God waits. But when he wants to do something in terms of deliverance of his people, and this is all Exodus imagery here, man, he can't wait. But there's always a timeline. And he's like a warrior ready to go to battle. He's like a woman. Some of the ladies in this room tonight can can relate. Ready to give birth to that child, groaning and panting. It's time. And then he goes. And he says, man, I'm going to clear paths for my people. I will lay waste the mountains and hills, 15, and will uh, uh, wither all their vegetation. I will make the rivers into coastlands. Think of the exodus. The second exodus is from Babylon back to Jerusalem. I will dry up the ponds. He makes, he makes new ways in unexpected places, parts seas and rivers and even ponds here dry up. And I will lead the blind. Think of the exiles coming from Babylon. By a way they do not know. In paths that they do not know. I will guide them. That's what he says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I will make darkness into light before them, rugged places into plains. I'll smooth them out. These are the things I will do, and I will not, unlike the idols, leave them undone, or I I would put it this way. I will not leave one thing undone that I have spoken. Take it to the bank. I have staked my name on it, and he who began a good work in you will complete it to the day of Christ. And if he has to get your attention because you went off looking for idols again, he will. He'll bring you back into the courtroom and say, you remember? You go, oh yeah, that's right. 
My idol's useless. And a final warning, they shall be turned back and be utterly 17, put to shame, who what? Trust in idols. Now, circle that, and we'll talk about that at the end. Who say to molten images, you are our gods. You remember the children of Israel? Moses is going up to get the law. And they say, we don't know where he went. 40 days, too long. We got a clock ticking here. Hey, Aaron, uh, could you make a god for us? Could you make a golden calf? And we'll declare, this is our god who brought us out of the land of Egypt. And they proclaimed the festival incredibly to Yahweh. So they were trying to do both at the same time. Worship the true God with a calf there. And God said, no, we're we're not doing a smorgasbord here. Right? And Moses is up on the mountain. And the commandments that he's coming down with, the first one says, you shall have no other gods before me. And Moses threw down the commandments in a picture of saying, you've broken them all. See, God says, you're going to be put to shame if you, 17, this is the last verse, if you trust in idols. What's the essence of salvation? Trust in Jesus Christ. What does faith mean? It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Look in your strongest concordance this week and look for a definition of faith and you will find the first definition of faith is usually always trust. And so then, here's how it ends. God says, idol me. Which will you trust? Is there a a plan C? Maybe I don't want an idol, but maybe I don't really want the God of the Bible. Is there another alternative? Well, that other alternative always ends up being you, which then is just another form of what? Idolatry. And you go, I can't win. Yeah, you can. You can win if you trust in the true and living God. And then you'll have victory. And then he'll, rough, he'll smooth out rough places and he'll, he'll dry out places that look like you could never cross. And he'll do things in your life that you think, there's no way out of this one. There's no way I could do that. There's no way I could accomplish that task. And God will say, oh yeah? Just with a blow of my nostril. I like to do this as a guy. <laughs> there goes the Red Sea. You think I can't do it? I can do anything. I can open up places you may think you have no way out. You may think, man, I'm never going to get that job, or I'm never going to do this, I'm never going to do that. The ministry that I wanted to do, it's passed me by. No, God says, no, 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 no. I'll make a new way. I'll do a new thing, and I'll put a new song in your heart. Amen? So trust the Lord. Father, we want to thank you for your word, and it's a beautiful thing to know that you love idolaters like us. Ooh, that's hard to say, Lord. That's hard to say. But you loved us so much that even when we were yet sinners, even when we were yet in rebellion, even when we had put other gods before the God of the Bible, you reached out to us. You showed us what emptiness and life without you is about and you drew us to yourself through your blessed chosen servant, Jesus Christ. And he came into the world and he showed us what the true God is about. He's not about um, being appeased. He's not about being bent on um, blowing out people who are feeling low or 
beating up people who are already feeling beat up. No, he comes with a message of hope and grace. And he says, trust me. Look at the cross. Trust in my son and I will give you life. And I think all of us that are here tonight, Lord, we can say that we've discovered that and if you're here and you don't know that for sure, you don't know that you've met Jesus Christ, just make it official and run to him. Tell him that you trust him. Tell him that you want to turn and smash your idols. Tell him that you believe on him, that you believe he died on the cross and rose from the dead for you. Just give him your heart. And Lord, for the rest of us who are believers, we just want to pray that David said, if there be any wicked way in me, search my heart, Lord, and if there's any idols crying you out, Lord, help us just to be decisive and sanctify Christ as Lord in our hearts. Amen. You've been listening to Present Your Case, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 41 and 42. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings and more books of the Bible. And just a reminder that this is a listener-supported ministry. Would you consider becoming a partner for $5 a month? We're blessed to know that these teachings reach thousands of listeners just like you every weekday through our radio partners and through the podcast. If you've been listening for some time now and you're blessed by this ministry, if you've learned something from Pastor Michael's teachings or if you've been encouraged, please help others like you. Visit walkintruth.com to donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 42:18 through 43:17 called The Spiritually Deaf and Blind. I'm Mike Massaro, and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.